0: Welcome to yet another incredible installment of Weekend Update. From very high above the verminous, puerile, and insipid Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns, In beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. It is yet another beautiful day in the Cowboy State. It's going to be a balmy 85 degrees here at Cowboy State Politics Central Command. And in a few hours, I'll be fishing on top of the Bighorns, where all day it'll be sunny and 76. I'm going to go find a quiet mountain stream that is chocked full of brook trout, And you know what the best part of it is? None of it has anything to do with Wyoming politicians. But I have to tell you that fish and politicians do have a couple things in common. Both of them are a little bit slimy, and they tend to stink if you stick around them for too long. However, fish are incapable of lying, which is probably why I'm drawn to them. And let's be honest, I'm an expert in catching both of them when they're unaware. As it relates to that, it has been six days since I publicly accepted Clark Stith's debate challenge. Now, he did kind of respond in an email. Now, while I'm not quite prepared to release the full details of that communique, I can tell you that he's not agreed to debate yet, even though it was his idea in the first place. Perhaps he's thinking that maybe it wasn't such a wise idea in the first place to challenge yours truly to a debate. You see, uh, here at Cowboy State Politics, I deal in facts. Something that he and his Rhino Caucus struggle with. Well, anyway, there's a lot of things that old Clark needs to answer. And he's the one that said let's debate, so I don't really understand what the problem is. But he should have the courage of his convictions. And he's the one that issued a debate challenge. He just didn't expect that anybody was going to take him up on it. So Clark, I'm waiting for your email. I will give you an entire hour on this program. After all, it was your idea in the very beginning. But I get it. You didn't expect that anybody was going to take you up on it. Moving on. Governor Gordon now says we should be cautious with our state spending. (laughs) Yeah, like you've ever done that before. From his press release, dated yesterday, July 28th, and I quote, Governor Mark Gordon is calling for a cautious approach to state spending in response to the July 2023 revenue update the pacing report issued by the Consensus Revenue Estimating Group, or CREG, <laughs> The governor said he will continue to apply conservative principles to budgeting as he prepares his next two-year budget proposal. Just a couple of questions before I go on. Uh, so what's this two-year business? We had a two-year budget proposal two years ago, and just like the spendthrift who thinks he's loaded on payday, Not six months ago, you insisted on a supplemental budget to spend hundreds of millions of our tax dollars. So this whole two-year budget thing, it's a load of bullcrap. Back to his press release. Quote, The July Craig pacing report released today shows total revenue collections for the general fund and budget reserve account exceed the January 2023 Craig forecast by $176.1 million, while high natural gas prices from 2022 resulted in strong revenues, prices, and volumes have been falling steadily since reaching record highs a year ago. So hold on just a second. This Craig report that he's referring to is not in any way like your bank statement. The difference is the bank statement tells you how much money you actually have on a specific date. The Craig Report is a revenue projection. It is an estimate of money that is going to come into the state. They could issue one of these Craig Reports, and then the very next day, natural gas prices fall into the toilet, and the report becomes meaningless. Secondly governor mark gordon doesn't know anything about conservative budgeting principles oh he claims to but he already has a budget from a year and a half ago and then he got one of these craig reports and insisted that we have a supplemental budget an additional budget to the budget he already had so let me just break this down for you in simple terms governor gordon thought he was going to get a promotion at work and based upon that presumption He went out and bought a brand new car before he actually got the promotion no thinking person would actually do that you know do something before that they knew that they could make the payments but governor mark gordon did and here he is telling us that we have to take a cautious approach to spending when just last year he spent an additional 173 million dollars on top of the budget he had from a year and a half ago And the news media trumpeted his conservative budgeting principles because they claimed that they put $1.4 billion into savings. The truth is, most of that went into easily accessible trust fund accounts, which I can assure you during the budget session, they will speedily use. And his supplemental budget created an additional in excess of $100 million of mandatory state spending. Now, his $1.4 billion that they put in savings... It's only going to generate about $60 million every year in interest. In other words, in other words, Governor Gordon's conservative budgeting principles put us about $60 million in the hole. Governor Gordon wouldn't know conservatism if it smacked him in the face. Oh, but that doesn't stop him from saying it. Moving on. After the break. The fishy-smelling Wyoming media has been telling you how the Freedom Caucus wants the Wyoming State Library to disassociate themselves from the American Library Association. What they're not really telling you is that the American Library Association has very little to do with libraries. Actually, they're an LGBTQ activist organization. Yeah, it's true. And some of the people that run it have ties right back here to Wyoming. And I'll explain that after an obscene profit timeout. (music) Weekend Update is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or a giant warehouse or any other type of metal structure, then you need to call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do a much better job than anybody else. So it doesn't really matter what type of metal building you've been thinking about for your property. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. My friends... Every time I get up Saturday morning, I think about hot wings. It's absolutely true. I'm obsessed with them. And the best hot wings in the state of Wyoming are from the Wing it food truck. I'm telling you, they're absolutely incredible. I personally recommend the garlic Parmesan wings. They're amazing. And it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. Now, the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to their Facebook page. They post their weekly schedule, and that way you can figure out which town they're going to be in. You can also go to cowboystatepolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the live episode, which begins every Thursday morning starting at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to the program. That way you can be notified when there's a new episode or when there's a special live episode. Uh, You'll get a notification right on your phone. And the way that you can do that is you just go to the website and look at the dialog box that's got all the episodes in it. In the upper right-hand corner, there's two buttons to subscribe and follow the show. Or you can do that from Podbean itself if you've downloaded the app. But make sure that you subscribe and follow the program. And now, back to Weekend Update. On July 26th, The Cow Pie published an article entitled Freedom Caucus Wants Wyoming to Quit American Library Association, Governor Contemplating. And I quote, the Wyoming Freedom Caucus on Wednesday called on the state library to cut ties with the American Library Association. The group's disdain for the organization stems in part from the ALA's endorsement of numerous sexually graphic books for children. Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon is reviewing the Wyoming State Library's connection to the American Library Association over apparent political differences. Hey, cow pie, it's not just political differences. The American Library Association has very little to do with library books and has a lot to do with LGBTQ advocacy. The governor's office says, and I quote, The governor recognizes the valuable role libraries play in civic life as a place for accessing information, learning, and as a repository for history and knowledge, reads Perlman's statement. Michael Perlman is the governor's spokesperson. He is firmly committed to defending the First Amendment as a key tenant of our Constitution. But the governor has serious concerns about whether the ALA is politicized under its current leadership. End quote. Why, you might ask? Well, as I said, the American Library Association really doesn't have that much to do with library books. In fact, they're an LGBTQ lobbying organization, and they do it through an outfit they call the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transsexual Roundtable. Technically speaking, it's their political arm. But in reality, the entire American Library Association is nothing more than a political activist organization. And it started back in 1970 when they established what they call the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transsexual Roundtable. So really, the only thing the American Library Association does is they recommend books to libraries across the country. And then libraries just go ahead and order them and put them on the shelves because, of course... They're recommended by the American Library Association. Why wouldn't they order those books and put them within reach of ten-year-old hands? But a large number of those books that are recommended are all LGBTQ-centric, and many of them are pornographic, and in some cases, as I've noted on this program, the books they recommend glorify pedophilia. Two examples of that. You've heard about the book Gender Queer, that in one section gives you specific instructions on how to seduce your little brother. And then another one is a book entitled Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. That's the one that glorifies pedophilia in detail. So, anyway, this political outfit, the ALA, recommends books to libraries across the country. And because apparently they have the word library in their name, libraries order them, put them on shelves, and then provide them to children. On the October 5th, 2021 episode of Cowboy State Politics, which I titled Pedophilia Materials in Wyoming Libraries, I told you the story of how one person in the American Library Association's leadership has her ties right back here to Wyoming. And this lady, my friends, is a straight-up radical. Because I'm a big fan of not recreating the wheel, Here's that segment from the October 5th, 2021 episode of Cowboy State Politics. I'll start right in the middle because the entire segment is kind of long, but what you're gonna hear is a quotation from the American Library Association's website. Here you go. From the ALA website, Quote, equity, diversity, and inclusion are fundamental values of the associations and its members, and diversity as listed as one of the ALA's key action areas. The Office for Diversity, Literacy, and Outreach Ser- Services uses a social justice framework to ensure the inclusion of diverse perspectives within our profession and association to best position ALA as a trusted, leading advocate for equitable access to library services for all. End quote. Love those buzzwords, social justice. And the American Library Association accomplishes this through another arm that they have. It's called the Public Library Association. Now, quote, The Public Library Association, a division of the American Library Association, calls on public library workers to commit to structural change and taking action to end systemic racism and injustice. End quote. Now, when the Public Library Association uses the term structural change, what they mean is using the public library to further a political agenda that addresses those things that they're calling systemic racism and injustice to address equity, diversity, inclusion, and social justice. And they accomplish this through another group called the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transsexual Roundtable. From their website, quote, The GLBTRT is a unit of the American Library Association. The GLBTRT was founded in 1970 as the Task Force on Gay Liberation. We are the nation's first gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender professional organization. And guess what they do for the American Library Association? Well, they recommend books, of course. And you'll never guess which book won the Alex Awards in 2019. Yeah, it's Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. So if libraries in the state of Wyoming are relying upon the American Library Association for their book lists, uh, the organization being a political advocacy organization focused on uh, LGBTQ issues, well, of course you're going to find books such as Lawn Boy on Wyoming library shelves. I'm not exactly sure which is worse, that a group calling itself the American Library Association gives an award to a book that openly glorifies pedophilia or that Wyoming libraries are relying upon the American Library Association for their book lists and putting books that glorify pedophilia on Wyoming bookshelves. Now, there's one more piece of this, to the American Library Association, that is, that you need to be aware of. And that's a lady named Maggie Farrell. Right now, she is the treasurer of the American Library Association, and she is also a member of the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Roundtable. And unfortunately, from 2002 to 2015, she was the Dean of Libraries at the University of Wyoming. I bring up Maggie Farrell for two reasons. The first is to prove to you that Wyoming citizens have been the victim of a political agenda that has been perpetrated upon them by Wyoming libraries. While Maggie Farrell was the dean of university libraries at the University of Wyoming until 2015, she also sat on the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Roundtable for the American Library Association. And today, that person is the treasurer of the American Library Association. Those two groups, of which Maggie Farrell is a member, are definitely responsible for making it possible for Lawn Boy, the book of pedophilia, to end up on Wyoming bookshelves and in one Wyoming school. The second reason I bring up Maggie Farrell is to show you the lengths that some activists within Wyoming libraries will go to to push their agenda. In 2013, Maggie Farrell published an article entitled, Princely Planning in a Political Environment... In a magazine called The Machiavellian Librarian, winning allies, combating budget cuts, and influencing stakeholders. Since this is an episode about books, it seems appropriate to ask, who was Machiavelli? And second, why did Maggie Farrell publish that article in this magazine? Machiavelli was a political philosopher that lived between 1469 and 1527. His most famous work is called The Prince. And it's basically about how to establish an autocratic government. You've heard of the show on Netflix, How to Make a Dictator. Well, The Prince is the instruction manual on how to do it. Now, let me just read you a couple of fantastic passages out of The Prince. Quote, In republics, there is more vitality, greater hatred, and more desire for vengeance, which will never permit them to allow the memory of their former liberty to rest. So the safest way is to destroy them. You've most definitely heard this next quotation, but perhaps not in context. Well, if you watch The Sopranos, you've heard it a lot. But a quote. Upon this, a question arises whether it be better to be loved than feared or feared than loved. It may be answered that one wish to be both. But because it is difficult to unite them in one person, it is much safer to be feared than loved. And just a few more, so I make sure that I've made my point. Quote, You must know that there are two ways of contesting, one by the law, the other by force. The first method is proper to men, and the second to beasts. But perhaps the first is frequently not sufficient. It is necessary to have recourse to the second. But it is necessary to know how well to disguise this characteristic and to be a great pretender and dissembler. And men are so simple and so subject to present necessities that he who seeks to deceive will always find someone who will allow himself to be deceived. Now, there is nothing more necessary to appear to have than this last quality, inasmuch as men judge generally more by the eye than by the hand, because it belongs to everybody to see you. To few come in touch with you. Everyone sees what you appear to be. Few really know what you are. So the magazine that Maggie Farrell decided to publish her article in, The Machiavellian Librarian, is about deception. Few Really know what you are, or so says Machiavelli. There is only one quotation that is necessary from Maggie Farrell's article, and I quote, Each community has its own unique politics, not necessarily political party politics, but librarians must navigate the power structures of their environment. Politics is also the process of helping others to get to yes for your initiatives. And those objectives, at least as far as Maggie Farrell is concerned, the American Library Association, and the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Roundtable are concerned, is to push their political agenda on your kids, and they're using the library to do it. Now, we've covered a lot in this episode, but there's some key takeaways, the first of which is there are materials in our public libraries in the state of Wyoming that support pedophilia that are purchased by our tax dollars and that are pushed on your kids by the American Library Association and its other political advocacy organizations. And the second big takeaway from this episode is that all of our elected officials and our unelected officials must be held accountable for what they do in our communities. But to do that, parents, Wyoming citizens, all of us have to be active and we have to demand that accountability. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? But one of the members of the leadership of the American Library Association has her roots right back here at, who would have guessed, the University of Wyoming. There's a very good reason why the Wyoming Freedom Caucus is demanding that the state disassociate itself from the American Library Association, and Governor Mark Gordon should do that tomorrow. They're a Marxist political organization, period. That'll do it for today's installment of Weekend Update. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. But for now, from Cowboy State Politics Central Command at the base of the Bighorns, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.